Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello again, human life force energy consciousness experiencing itself it is such a privilege and honor to be with you again today we have part two with the man gerald clark if you listen to part one then you obviously know that we are diving deep in this one um in in the second part i don't know where we left off there but we talk about hybridization programs the nine races the holographic simulator um distinguishing yourself from the not self uh slave sensors the anunnaki uh baba g being a potential extraterrestrial uh masters of the far east just ascended masters so this is deep this is some real deep stuff so i hope that you enjoyed the first part if you did you're gonna love the second part uh, i want to thank you so much to those of you who have been supporting the podcast if you want to support uh, for free, you can just leave a re- review in iTunes. That really helps. So please leave a review in iTunes. Share this. Talk about it with your friends. Um, you can support on Patreon. Thank you so much, Charlotte Rupert, who made a very generous contribution um, on Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It helps. It goes a long way. Um, I was able to go to the Parliament of World Religions and um, to Disclosure Fest in Washington in part by the help of the patrons. I'm basically like, you know, people ask me like how do you monetize the podcast i'm like i don't know um patreon's been helping a little bit but it was a massive loan um that's really done it so i just tell people like hey i don't know i i get you know i was looking at my stats the other day it was pretty crazy like it was about between youtube and soundcloud was between five and ten well well around eight million minutes uh, listened per month and I was pretty stoked on that because they're longer episodes obviously so 8 million minutes so if I could figure out a way to um, eat sandwiches be in a vehicle and travel where I need to be and just have incredible conversations and do media with people trying to change the world and keep finding better people and not better people but anyone trying to do something good and promote that that's that's what I'm all about so that's long-winded to say, Charlotte, thank you. It really helped when you hooked me up. Thank you to all my patrons, even if you give me 25 cents. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it goes a massively long way. So to go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair if you want to hook it up, um, leave a review. But the best thing you can do, as I've said before, is do one act of kindness today over even giving me money. Um, just do one act of kindness today in your neighborhood. Pay it forward. Pick up a piece of trash. Get someone's name. Listen to someone. Um, and if, if not, just go a step further. Do the kindness challenge. Three kind acts a day for a week people have been writing me a little bit more a little bit more frequently saying hey i did take you up on that and it, and it was i did have some beautiful experiences and they really start to understand what spiritual mastery is all about it's about action doesn't matter what you believe what you think it's about taking action so please take up that challenge and write me let me know you're taking it let me know how your experience was um, you can head over to mattbelair.com sign up for the email list get a free lucid dreaming ebook and guided meditation if you just go forward slash lucid dreaming there's some coaching over there 
there. Check out Zen Athlete. It is a course in self-mastery. There's self-hypnosis, um, all kinds of stuff in there. You do not need to be an athlete. It may as well just say Zen Life. Um, so check out that course. It is very in-depth and all the best techniques that I've learned to um, code my reality to be um, content is the best way I know how because I struggle with contentment sometimes and, and depression and anxiety mostly depression just because I want to, you know, move quicker than I am. Um, but I, you know, I do okay. I don't stay there as long as I used to. So that's part of this too, is just, you know, being honest with your own journey and doing the best you can. So, um, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. So let's come into a state of uh, peace and coherence before we get into it. So wherever you are in the world, just taking a deep breath in through your nose, holding that breath and just connecting to the divine life force energy that's breathing into you all around you and a part of you and just let that breath out slowly now with all the cares and all the worries all the self-limiting beliefs letting them all go taking in a deep breath in through your nose holding that breath and just connecting to that universal life force energy and just imagine a powerful gold and platinum light coming down from the universe and pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you let that breath out slowly with all the worries and all the cares of the day. Take it in one more deep breath in through your nose and just see the energy of the earth coming up through your feet, connecting you to Mother Earth and to Divine Spirit through the top of your head. Feeling totally connected, at peace, worthy, whole, complete connected as you breathe out nice and slowly ready to take on the day in joy in in enthusiasm in enthusiasm and in truth and in spirit so thank you so much for listening to this episode so let's get into it with gerald clark to purify your consciousness well what does that mean to purify your consciousness well part of consciousness is a physical part in your body, it's not just the food you eat or whatever. It has to do with your relationship to infinite forces. And the one that we get beat over the head the most with is gravity that we don't attention to. Uh, Stephen Mayer wrote the song Gravity. Does that sound familiar? Gravity. <laughs> and he was talking about, I hate, I hate you. I want to go into space and get away from you and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. It's for real. Most people are at war with gravity. They mm. never find peace with it. And, you know, it breaks my heart to see people walking around with a kyphotic hump in the, on their C7 or their ver cervical vertebra where they've allowed the head to do whatever they do. And they're 70, 80 years old. And it's just, it's just, I ask myself, what would it be like to have an experience in that body right now? It's awful. It doesn't feel good to have a screwed up posture in this life. Okay. Sitting, standing, everything, sleeping is uncomfortable when that happens. So... <laughs> Another thing you can do is once you realize you have an energy body, what can you do to augment it? A vegan diet will change your energy body, period. I don't know if it's because you choose not to introduce more suffering into the world or the composition of uh, a plant-based lifestyle has the benefits of what they say in the China study through doctors. I really don't know, but I know for a fact for over 11 years now as a vegan, I haven't been to a doctor once. I don't take any medications and I'm healthier than most people I know. It's great. And it changes your relationship to all other life forms in some way, shape or form. I don't quite know what it is, but honoring that all life is valid and not choosing to make it part. Yes. Plant life is life, but um, plants don't require a lot of, terrestrial modifications to whole ecosystems to support they go they come naturally when you see them cutting down forests just to grow food for cows you know this has gone too far 
this has gone way too far for me. So being a vegan, you don't have to be one forever. Try it for two weeks and see if it doesn't change your consciousness. It has a big impact on the uric acid that gets put into your joints so that you can be more flexible. And why would you even be interested in yoga and flexibility? Because your antenna aligned in that gravity field when it's correct, that's where the energy is. If you, if you land on your gravity line while you're an athlete, you're in the zone because there's massive power there when you're related to gravity and that you can use it as part of your agility, not be an opponent for you. You can't balance in it. It's, it's like night and day. You're either, it's either with you or against you. you. There's no in between with gravity. You've got to decide you're going to have a relationship with it because it always wins. So I recommend people paying attention to it more than just a song like what Stephen Mayer wrote. It's very important to your energy body. Food is very important. Um, you can change your consciousness with food. I wouldn't have known that, but it's true. Okay. Uh, try different things. See, see if removing all animal products from your diet doesn't change you. Try it for a couple of weeks, I dare you. And then try to go back and see what happens. <laughs> um, I don't consume any alcohol. I think alcohol is an absolute poison and it's designed to dumb down humans to keep them enslaved. And I'm not gonna say anything more about it. I used to drink, I don't anymore. I haven't for many years, not even casually, okay? Um, there's the concept of your energy body that can be augmented by natural things. And for instance, you remember Ponce de Leon who was searching for, searching for the fountain of youth? right? And he, there was a place in Arkansas called Eureka Springs where he thought he'd found it. Eureka, I found it. Well, this goes back to Gilgamesh and several other characters through history that were looking for eternal life. And it was somehow equated with water or a fountain or blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? There's some truth to that. And here's how it works. You ready? Acids and limestones and such naturally etch them. And we see them in stalactites and stalagmites and caves and such, right? Where these the water dripping causes almost icicle looking things to build up from the etching of the acid interacting with the rock. It's essentially what's causing that. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Well, in those same circumstances, some people that I know have discovered that there are natural pools of water where they might be near gold or silver or other transient metals, transition metals. I mean, they're in the platinum group. Right? There's six of them. If they get hit with an acid and turn into a colloidal solution in water, they produce what's called a uh, monoatomic element. Okay, what is this? This is, a, this is a simple system where you have two atoms or molecules that come together where one's positive, one negative. It's a very simple relationship, a covalent bond. And if the positive part of that element gets free, it's kind of like a free ion. Are you with me? And a free ion is like, a, a positive, like a gold ion, a, sil a silver ion, a platinum ion. If those get free and are floating around in the water and they're exposed to human, what do you think that does to the human energy body? It causes a massive change in the human energy body because they're superconductors. What does that mean? These elements, when they're in their atomic form, cause electricity to flow through things with no resistance. It's magic. Okay? You can do levitation with trains and all kinds of stuff with that kind of knowledge right? Yeah. So now if you take a positively charged ion 
of one of these elements and you stick it in a human body that's mostly water, okay, and maybe it's in bond with a, a weak salt or, a, you know, like a sodium ion, which is clearly often that happens in the ocean. Gold ions are everywhere in the ocean, but they get bonded to the, the chloride ion, uh, molecule in sodium chloride, NaCl, right? So the Cl is the negative, the positive is the gold ion, they, they join together. Okay? So there's a lot of it in the ocean, and I believe the Anunnaki were originally here to get monoatomic gold from the ocean for their uses. There are lots of ways to get this, but it turns out it's great in space. It shields, it shields radiation. Gold is a great shield of radiation. Well, it also is a massively great conductor, so they use it on integrated circuits on the back where they do the BGAs and the, the through-hole pins on integrated circuits. Okay, If you look at a processor, they often times have gold plating on them for that reason. Well, this gold was discovered in Hathor's temple turned into a powder by Lawrence Gardner and discussed in his book, Genesis of the Grail Kings. Way back when, the Anunnaki were using a powdered substance made of transition metals, in particular gold, to do two things. One, to amplify their energy body, because we just said, if you put a superconductive uh, product in your body and you want to amplify your energy body, that's one way to do it, is with that, okay? With a monoatomic, what we call starfire gold. Okay, and it's not just gold. There's there's other ones that can be contributors to this orbitally rearranged monoatomic element. Okay, that's what it is, and they're very popular. Well, back in the Anunnaki times, they were using uh, gold to do this, and it even shows up in the Bible in in uh, what is it Exodus thirty two twenty, where Moses comes down from the mountain with his tablets, and Aaron is there, and he ends up taking the gold tablet grinding it up into a powder, mixing it in the water, and feeding it to the Israelites. Because they knew, and it turns out, where is Hathor's temple? Mount Sarabit, El-Kadim, Mount Sinai. It's right there. He was having an encounter with one of the Anunnaki entities from the past, okay, who knew, we know now was Enlil in that region. That was his area. And Hathor was uh, Inanna. That was the granddaughter of Anu. So we're like, okay. So they were using this, and they had pictures of the bread cakes they were eating as part of their ritual in the temple. Okay, and this is all out of Lawrence Gardner's book, by the way. They analyzed it and found out it was done through smelting. By adding stibium to gold at various temperatures, you can produce this white powder. And humans were consuming this. Okay? And later on, we find out that this has the ability to affect your telomerase. Okay. This was in 2009, and the Nobel Peace Prize in science was issued to three scientists for discovering the link between aging and telomerase. Okay. This is a chemical in your body that causes your DNA to stop shortening in the reproduction process. So when the cells divide, if the telomeres keep their length, and people can look this up, okay, guess what? You don't age. So somehow... The Anunnaki knew this and were consuming things to prevent them from experiencing the rapid aging process that was happening on a sun that was circling the planet, their inner sun, way faster than it was on their home planet. It was causing advanced aging to them. That was in their account. So the idea of starfire gold isn't just a, as an anti-aging thing, but it's also being used as almost like at a DNA repair level. It's very effective for a lot of things, and you can read about it if you want. Uh, we carry the products, have been carrying it for years and have had nothing but fabulous response from people. And the testimonials are all out there. You can go read them. But it's good stuff. But you don't want to substitute 
Starfire Gold for all the hard work that needs to go into learning to be mindful, getting at that place, learning how to quiet your mind and be at a place where the finite meets the infinite. And that's only at a quiet place inside you. It's not outside you in Tibet or anywhere else, right? And, it's, and it takes a little bit of a discipline. And it's not just something you can read about somebody else doing. You have to do it yourself. And I know you're the kind of person that has some sort of daily regimen, right? I know you do. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about what you do? Well, yeah, man, well, holy crap. I love talking to you so much because we have, a, I have an idea of like, hey, we're going to try to talk about this, but your knowledge about so many things is so deep that, you know, we can really go um, so many different places and you're able to break it down in a way that I think is very important because you're getting down to the root of things. And, you know, say we're talking about, you know, you hear a lot about turning on the DNA, activating the light body, all this kind of stuff. You're suggesting the same idea with a scientific electrical engineering background. So it's the same, same, but very different because of the way you approach it and the ideas. And so it's like, okay, look, um, you know, your body matters, right? You need to come into structural alignment in a way that is maybe deeper than you ever even thought of, you know, because exactly. people are like, hey, yoga. Well, that makes sense. That's structural alignment. And they also go with food. Like this is the food you're going to eat. And we're going to bring in mindfulness. And you're like, yes, that is a great start. And also you can go a step deeper. And then, you know, these are the things that are harming you. You know what I mean? If you are drinking too much alcohol, if you have a very bad diet, if you're just crushing sugars, if you're depressed and angry, you're not going to be able to get past that mm -hmm. scale. And what that reminds me of, it all matters. It all matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what it reminds me of is that image it's like a, it's a yogic image or hindu where they have that 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 staircase of suffering where it's like depression and you know it's like that it's like a nice image it's like depression and anger and competition and it's really low and then it kind of gets like to the middle ground and then at the top of the staircase it's like the ascension and like mm. you said before it's like you don't know what the other level is when you're stuck you know when you're when you're in like depression and anger and competition and and self-pity you can't know about like um expansion and love and community and trust and all those things it's a whole different level so um that's kind of like a, a general way that i wanted to kind of share it because then this goes into the other stuff we're talking about which i've always been curious about is like this is what we're getting into essentially what the hell is going on, on the planet what am I capable of? What is it to be like a human body? What is consciousness? Is there a God? If so, what does that mean? Um, and how do I live like a good life? I was interested in spirituality. And then you have these ascended masters, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have the ascended masters. And then in that research, eventually it got into ET saying like, okay, look, you know, if you look at the universe, you're not the only one here. You know, you're not the most advanced civilization in yeah. all the all the galaxy. You know what I mean? You're still murdering each other by hundreds of thousands and starving stuff. And like, you know what I mean? And you're honking and, and flipping the bird to the guy in the, you know, in the driving lane beside you. You're not the most advanced thing out here. And um, so you can look at these stories in very different ways. And um, so I'm curious about, um, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about the Baba G thing if you want it, but just like the role of like ascended, like ascended master, like what do you think that is? You've got Jesus and Buddha. You got you look at Yogananda's story, right? And um, you know, I think it's Baba G that comes in as like the star of light. And for me, what I've been diving deeper into is the Native American history. And so, mm -hmm. spending the summer with uh, the elder and elder of the Mi'kmaq, David Lombard Senapas, and ETs are like it's like 
cats to them are horses. They're like, of course, there's so many different kinds. Like you guys have no idea about our history. And when I went to the Abbey Museum in, uh, in Maine, and it showed their 20,000 year history. Like Jesus didn't show up until like 2000. They got like 18,000 years. And what was fascinating was in the summer when I went to go hang out with the Zuni elder, Clifford Mahuti, listening to those two talk was so mind blowing. They just, they knew like, you know, when they would talk about something that we would talk about, they're like, oh yeah, that happened here. Or their knowledge mm-hmm. was so deep. And now I'm reading a third book um, well, I have a third reference anyway. It's called Mad Bear. And it's about another guy kind of like me following this Native American around doing spiritual research, things like that. And it just got to the part of the book where Mad Bear goes to show them the hieroglyphs in Arizona. And he's just like, this is when the star travelers came down. This is a spaceship. And it's right here. And we know about this. And you guys, and, and they have it in the prophecy. So three different Native American cultures with the exact same story, with the exact same history. So when we look at the yoga culture, yogic, you know, you know a lot more about that than I do. But do you think that there's any credibility to thinking that partially these ascended masters could have a link with ETs? They they could have been a higher intelligence? Or are they showing you like, in another sense, when you align all your body, this is what's possible, you know? It's just like everybody, because if you imagine those times around the Bible, everyone's like killing each other more or less, they're pretty, pretty primitive. Number one, if they saw a spaceship, how the heck would they even have language around that, right? Mm. And number two, how would they even think about the possibility of ascending their consciousness when they're like just barely above survival, right? You need to feel safe. Like we said, you can't go from root chakra all the way to the maximum one. So do you think that it was one and the same and they're different? I don't know. That's not even a real question. Just No, no. <laughs> no, actually, you're asking about the prehistory of alien and human civilizations essentially are you not i mean because there's a lot of there's a and the relationship between those who were quote unquote ascended masters and and what their relationship to humans are and are they related to the aliens in some way well here's what i know and i'm not saying this is definitive but i know that from the reports that i've seen both from the united states and russia that there have been 50 plus species come to this planet over the last several hundred years that we've been able to even document such a thing. And before that, only other civilizations have the documentation for that, right? Well, it turns out, I personally believe, Matt, based on the evidence, there have been millions of years of occupation of this prison planet by various civilizations, getting resources, doing whatever they do here as a colonized planet. And some of those races have been benevolent to the hybrid species that have been created here to do the work and some of them uh, are quite malevolent and they're and they're willing to eat you as food okay as meat eaters so it's all over the board Um, I think that one of the last and I think there have been several hybridization programs with primitive life forms on this planet we being one of those at a particular sequence in time I think there have been many others and there weren't just one these are genetic engineers and masters of the galaxy. And if they need a life form over here to do this, they will create it. And there's evidence for that, that they've done this, not just on Earth, but all over the galaxy. So the idea of Star Wars is kind of true. Mix that with Jupiter ascending, and you kind of have a kind of a picture of what's going on. So the Earth has resources that aliens want, okay? Both both uh, metal and mineral mining and precious metal kind of stuff, and also uh, 
organs of humans that could be used in other galaxies or dimensions that they may not be able to reproduce eyes there, so they need them from here or whatever. Okay, so there's an organ business that involves humans and aliens that's going on, and Jupiter Ascending had that exactly right. Okay, so we are part of the business of aliens. So get that through your head right, right up front. Not only are you the hybrid chimeras that do the work to get the resources and look at the telemetry and all the stuff to the, the planets the way they want it, but you're also uh, a low-level part of the food chain. They don't see you much higher than cattle, actually. And even so, and even them. with and even with just that in China right now, there you know there's organ mass mass organ harvesting going on right now in China. You know I they know. did. They did an well, official think, inquiry in London. So that's like even just right. You don't even need to believe in aliens to know that. Look that up right there. Like what's, I, know they, I know they captured a vessel leaving was it from the United States, a whole ship full of organs on their way to China and uh, stopped it in port and inspected this. Can you imagine seeing that? It's like, uh, what kind of business? Anyway, but that's real and that's going on. And it's not just a human business. I think it involves extraterrestrial life forms that put them up to it in the first place. People like uh, family planning, you know, what's a, what's a institute that gives abortions for free, you know, they're related to this organ harvesting thing. It's been shown in, in documents. Okay. This is going on anyway. Um, so I think that is go is going on. There are races that are benevolent to us. Some are not according to the, the threat briefing report that I did, there were about nine races that are here. They're supposed to not have interactions with the with the Indahanas, right? The indigenous people. You're not the aliens are not supposed to be interacting with us. We're supposed to be allowed to have our free choice and do other things. Not all of them apparently obey by the galactic law, okay? And of the nine that were having direct interaction with us in this briefing report, it mentioned three of them that were direct con in contact with humans, had contracts with their governments around the world, not just one government. And one of those was quite malevolent. And it turned out to be uh, the Markov Grays who had signed a contract in the United States in 1934 under, uh, under was it Truman in 34 and then Eisenhower in 54? I believe that was right. Those both ended up in contract relationship with the Grays that allowed abducting humans from their populace as part of their observation of the of the primitive life forms that are here they agreed to allow their populace to be abducted let that sink in for a minute has that not been happening all over the world people being abducted and talking about this well this is real people okay <laughs> and so there are echelons of arrangements of these alliances of the aliens and we know of one right now that ties back to the anunnaki that's really troubling um, going all the way back to Mesopotamia where the, the pyramid wars were going on between Marduk and Enlil. Um, Marduk appears to have aligned with the Dracos. And these are the ones that look like gargoyles with the wings that you would call the, you know, the devil. <laughs> well, they apparently are six dimensional fallen beings that got through war or whatever, ended up taking over this dimension. And the only way they can be here is to have a body one of the human bodies that's here so they can occupy it just like on they live in that yeah that's real that was not a joke that movie was a documentary but it was not a joke that's for real so we are inundated with alien life forms living in human bodies walking among us but you can't differentiate whether they're an alien or not 
And some of them are soulless beings that uh, are only doing the agenda of their artificial replicating viral intelligence masters, the genetic masters that made them. Okay, this is what we're dealing with as a populace. We're slowly being integrated out by having chimeras introduced within our populace because it's time, it may be time for human sapien, sapien homo sapien sapien 2.3 now, because apparently our whole species have been eliminated multiple times by our progenitors. What's, a, what's a chimera? Times. This is a mixture between one Kyber. life form and another. Got it. Yeah, like in Greece, they had the minotaur, right? The man and the horse. Got it. Well, he, the Anunnaki mixing their DNA with the primitive beings that were on this planet in Africa, right where Lewis and Leakey found the original skeletons of Lucy and three and a half million years ago, same area is where the Anunnaki had their gold mines and fashioned us. So we're Anunnaki chimeras, even though we don't know it. So we're mixed between a primitive species and their DNA. And I think a lot of the, our ascension capabilities and our connection back to the sun, soul, spirit, which I do believe we have. This is why we have chakras and have an electrical energy system that we can find a higher consciousness and wake up to what we are. We're very unique in that way, I think, to have reflective consciousness and to have a possibility of experiencing energy in such a way that our complete reality has changed. I truly believe, Matt, that this interaction of light with our DNA is just as Thoth said, that we will ultimately, our destiny is to be light. We don't need a body to have our existence. And anybody who's had an out-of-body experience or meditated deeply and found connection with their higher self will know there's an infinite intelligence of the that makes up all the whole universe. And the fact that you have a meat modem or avatar body that you can experience it with, well, good for you, but you don't need that. You're an eternal energy form, just having an experience in me. <laughs> that's why i'm vegan <laughs> well yeah i man i wanted to kind of like bring this down for people who might think that uh this is a far out there because i know the people who listen to you are just like all about it and they have like so much knowledge that that is far beyond mine but if this seems like a big idea to you just imagine let's say a hundred years we started to work together we don't even need to but just say we had a hundred years on the planet, all of human species, you don't believe in aliens, just humanity works together. We're gonna go to the stars. We're gonna go explore galaxies. We, there's so many planets out there. We're gonna find primitive life somewhere. And we already have cloning ability now, where we are now. And technology is just expanding exponentially. So that's possible for us. So why do you think, you know, so if it's like, that's too big of a thought, just then you'd be like, oh, they came here thousands of years ago. You know, if we're adventuring into the solar system, we might pop down on one planet one time, maybe. Um, and then if you, you know, the one thing I wanted to bring up when I went to Egypt with the Resonant Science Foundation, um, they haven't released this research yet there, but there was a person there that was studying there. They, uh, they've been on the podcast and they're studying biology they're a, is it a molecular biologist or something like that and basically you know some of the the rumor was like he found exactly where this dna was modified like you can't it's a smoking oh, gun you're talking you're, about michael brown yeah he did some really great research of the university of hawaii this guy uh yeah he found, yeah. He found where the genetic splice was that ningshita was given credit for in the atrahasis for figuring out how to let humans the adam and the eve reproduce right this is what it was really about there's genetic proof of that i agree 
<laughs> yeah. And so then, so to, to kind of like link up your story as well, you know, when I was speaking with um, David Lohenberg this summer and, the, and then also Clifford Mahoudi, when, when they're talking about this, it's just what they know. They're like, there's lots of species here. We've always known this. This isn't weird to us. This is just normal, but we're not trying to communicate with you guys. All we've ever done to the Native Americans is try to impress upon them our beliefs, our right way, our stuff. And nobody ever thought to listen to them and figure out what their history was and what they believed. You know what mm. I mean? They, we don't even mm. know how old it is. Most people are like, oh yeah, they're primitive, uh, what do they call them, savages. It's like, oh, actually, it is not that. It is the other way around. Um, and so, you know, he spoke about that as well. And then the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up was um, um, like simulation theory. I'm going to be talking to Tom Campbell and he's like one of the leading physicists on simulation theory again on, on um, Tuesday. And I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on like, okay, if this is the thing, it's a bigger game, it's an expanding consciousness, but I like what you talk about. We all have this capacity to expand and this is expanding awareness and knowledge. Like where do you sit in the idea of like simulation you know, the purpose of this thing and like moving towards whether it doesn't need to be a spiritual path, but in a sense of like freedom, because I remember specifically starting to uncover all this stuff being like, is this actually real? Like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my God. Like, okay, maybe I am a slave. Shouldn't eat, you know, half of this stuff because it's killing me. But I felt depressed for a long time and very disempowered. And I'm just curious on like, for where you are right now in, in understanding, you know, what your purpose is here, what's actually happening. Um, what kind of like, I don't know, advice or, or thought would you have on just like the sim simulation theory idea, what you're actually supposed to do here and, and pass moving forward. Oh, so when you say simulation, I think you're talking about our holographic reality. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then actually I wanted to bring up one more thing too. And just, you can just pick out whatever you want, but I wanted to get all this out just to see what you felt was most important. Jake Campbell gave me a, an episode once on decoders of truth. I'd never listened to it, but he's just like, apparently when you die, you get caught in this net going out and they've been able to like harvest souls. And then you're, you have to like say this word to get out. And I've heard of that idea before being trapped in this, like, Oh, your soul is meant to go back to source, but you get tricked. And then you have to come back. Do you put any weight to that um, idea? Well, there was, uh, there was discussions in the Egyptian Book of the Dead about trials and tribulations that you would go through as a out-of-body avatar on the way back to your source. You know, the weighing of the soul process that happened with Thoth and Osiris. And um, I do think that there – first of all, I don't, I don't buy into this um, – uh, this whole ruse about, you know, avoid the light when you die because it's a trap to get you to come back and be a, a reincarnated avatar as a slave. That is not the case. If you read anything that um, the true ascended masters have said about seeking light, not only here, but after, that light is from the creator of all. Okay. And all of a sudden you go, well, what color of light? <laughs> we talk, what wavelength do I need to follow? And it just gets crazy, okay? When you when you have connected with your higher self, you, you don't even have thoughts like that because you already know what the death game is. There's no such thing as death. You're an you're a, you're a eternal energy source, and energy is neither created or destroyed. It only changes state, okay? It goes from a planet, it turns into a star that goes supernova, sprays its material all over the universe, re-aggregates, into the band of the galactic center, gets pulled in, chewed up by a black hole, turned back out as gamma rays, and comes back out as matter. It's all recycled energy. 
Okay, and you're no different. So, so in this holographic simulator, the sooner you realize that you're an eternal being and that playing the games of culture to get you there is never gonna work. And you're never going to find the truth through the senses that have been designed to work in the hologram. Those are your slave sensors, okay? Those are for you to build a picture of the material world and believe it's real. That's why your eyesight is limited to four to 700 nanometers. Your hearing only goes to 20 kilohertz. Dogs hear better than that. Any bird can see, practically see better than we can see. Right? We have a very limited view of this material reality. And part of that is probably for us to figure out that it is all an illusion. Okay? So how do you play the, what's the goal of the avatar game? Number one, the most important of all, is figuring out that. As soon as you're not afraid of death anymore and affiliating with this material thing that dies and decays and ages, and you know that's not even the real you, you're not going to be afraid to do the things that you need to do that are part of your path here and now. If you're in fear in any way, it's going to hold you back. You're going to be in the fear prison of your own mind. Okay? And only your higher self knows what your true mission is. And when you get out of your own way, when you realize that you've come to a crash and the ego that you've built up for yourself is not real and it cannot take you to the place that you know you want to go in this life, that's when you have that death of the ego experience and you realize you've got to get out of your own way and allow that external reality that you've connected to in meditation to flow through you and guide you. And so it's more of an inspiration where you give up the control of thinking you're going to do your own life and be in conjunction with gravity, whatever that is, whatever I got to do to be in a synchronous with that, I got to do that, right? Get to do that as one of my choices to evolve, okay? So in the simulation game, I think finding out that you are an eternal energy source and not the meat modem you thought was you with the, all the ego and the experience you've associated with it, that's number one. Distinguish yourself from your not self. That's what Thaw said to do. That means understand the energetic nature of yourself. That's your not self, right? That's the energy part. Well, as soon as you get that and you figure that out, then it's just a matter of, well, how can I make that a little better? And you start, when you pay attention to that, you'll notice if I eat this or do this, my energy doesn't feel so good this week. I'm, I don't know if it was that block of cheese this week or, uh, or that wild uh, party we had where we didn't sleep for three days. I don't know what it is, one of those things, okay? Pay attention to what you're doing. And if it's dampening your ability to connect with your internal energy, that's going to guide you through this simulation game. And it's no different than being at Dispatch Central and having all these messages coming in from Facebook and everything. Every one of them takes you out of the now and stirs, you up, stirs up the waters of your consciousness where you can't be centered and focused. So you get to choose whether you're going to allow Dispatch Central in your life. I don't particularly support that. I want to be in a more of a centered place where I'm focused and creating as a co-creator with the creator of all. When you find your passion and you're sharing it, Creative stuff's going to come out of that. If, you, if you're not connected to your creativity, there's something wrong. Because you are a co-creator of the creator of all, right? That means you create stuff. Not just a consumer, you're a producer of some sort that benefits your community. And I think that's a, a good way to check and see where you're at with this process. Is are you serving your community or are you serving yourself? Because when you wake up to the Ba energy, which Thoth talked about, which is your sun, soul, spirit, and your ticket back to the infinite source of the creator of all. That's what we all want. Every species wants that, that has a, that has a 
connection back to the source. There are species that have energy sources that are not from the creator ball. These are what we call uh, artificial viral replicating intelligences. And they, they have, they're soulless, you can't reason with them. They, you can't expect to reason with them like a human. And they're running our world right now, okay, is the problem. So what can we do? We can walk our avatar path, do the mission that we know our higher self wants us to do, and you won't even know what that is until you get out of your own way and realize from your ego consciousness you can't do it. When you have that crash and realize that your higher self is truly where it's at, you'll go inside and connect with it, and it'll find its way through all your chakras and wake you up to do that mission. It's pretty much that simple, but it won't happen while you're caught up in your ego consciousness. So there's two things to have the alchemy experience. This is the alchemy experience of waking up, the initiation into the mysteries that Thoth calls it. You've got to purify your consciousness, okay, and subjugate your ego, because those two get in the way. The ego part is very hard because we don't even know that we're operating from ego until we have our brain software looked at and realize we are nothing but the result of the culture that we were spit out from running its brain software, right? And for people that live internationally, they see that quite clearly across about borders. But for people that don't, that are in it, getting the media jammed at them every single day, they're thinking the thoughts of what the powers that be want them to think because it's jammed into their consciousness. Well, so that's another thing. You, you've, got to, you've got to decide what you're going to take into your consciousness because whatever you're chewing on, whatever makes its way in and you accept it as your own, it's part of you then. That includes thoughts. You accept the thought that comes in, whether it's outside or inside, as your own, and it's a belated announcement of whether your actions are going to be later because you've accepted that. So be careful in that battleground of thoughts. If you've got music that's making you feel a certain way, music's very powerful. If it gets in there and it's coming up while you're in the week and you're like, oh, that song just came up my head and it's playing again. Guess what? You got garbage going on in your head that's playing automatically. It's coming up when you could be centered and focused in the now on what you're doing. You may think it's entertaining and it's good, but it's not. Okay, so be careful what you let in there bouncing around in your brain housing group because it matters. And this is the part of the transmission part that we don't talk about. Yes, you're a receiver, but you're also a transmitter. Every thought that you have turns into an electrical signal. Every sensation you have from your five sensors ends up in the brain as a perceived signal, which we can measure in an EEG. Well, guess what? If it's electrical, it's going all over the universe, as I told you. And anybody who has the telemetry to listen to it or look at your energy body from a satellite, they can do that. They know exactly what's going on in your head and where you are in your evolutionary process in order to know how to deal with you. Brother, you sum that up so nicely, and I agree with all that. It's, and it's interesting because, um, you know, the holographic simulator I like, and then the slave sensors, it, it, that goes into materialism. You believe the world is material. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you have such a limiting um, way of understanding. Like if you built a robot and you, you know, only gave it a little bit of touch, a little bit of, well, if you could give a robot touch, I'm sure you could, um, you know, and sight, you're only getting a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. You could literally set that up where it's like, okay, we're at this frequency. We're going to take that off and you're not even going to know where we exist. You could bump right into a tree and we'll make it so you can't actually even see it because it's vibrational. And so you have to get past that 
materialism, thinking it's all material because you're grasping on and you're holding it. And then the ego part, right? It's just like one of the ways that I like that is like, you know, you can say, hey, the inner voice. What's the inner voice telling you? Who are you actually? And you got to stop being an a-hole and trying to get everything you can and not, you know, like that's not the point. No, no, how much you can acquire is not going to get you to the next level. You can acquire everything and it's still not going to work. So you got to start thinking about, okay, you know, how could I help others? And that will, and that will get you right into alignment because it's going to be whatever you enjoy doing. You're going to be the one that's going to continue on. I like learning about this and I now I'll go teach it because, Hey, I think it's valuable. I like it. Even if it's music, you know, teaching a kid music is beautiful. There's all kinds of things. So it puts you into alignment. And then you said another thing that's really good is like um, what you're taking in. And in Buddhism, they call it like mental nutrients. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. what do you, what are you bringing in? And I have, I re- recently listened to that Kanye song that just came out because it was like blowing up somewhere and somebody kept talking about it. And I was like, I just, I want to know because I, I study it and I know what's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to it? No, no. Okay. This is the hook. This is all they say. It's um, she's an effing hoe pause i love it and that's basically the only lyrics in the song that's it that is how garbage bad overt the conditioning and baloney is it's like what was this women's march and everyone's upset about trump and then this is what he says and like this is and this is in every radio station and they're only playing a few of the same garbage songs and i like you know i had a deepening of understanding when you're like when you're going down the street and this thing comes up whether it's an ad or it's like a movie or a thought now if it's an inspiring movie or a thought or a documentary or a book or a podcast or a thought or or a wish or something you're imagining that's all great that's you creating but mm-hmm. if it's just like nonsense filler space, it's not good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, getting- I'm going to give a call out to somebody. You mentioned this guy. I think I didn't even know who he was. I asked my wife this morning, well, who is this guy? Oh, he's some rapper from when I grew up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Listen, let me give a, let me give a call out to somebody who would make that guy look like an, a complete waste of human oxygen. Go, go listen to st- stuff like similar genre, like my bro Diesel Automatic or PTP. These guys are doing the same kind of genre, but they're empowering people with positive messages, not this debilitating, you know, look at all the jewelry I have. Aren't I cool? You know, I'm puffed up eagle, you know? Uh, I got stuff, you'll never have it, but look how good I am, you know? And and treating women like prostitutes or, or, you know, and all the language, it's it's just foul. If this is what culture has to offer and you're, you're taking that, Listen, more power to you. If you think that's going to empower you to be a hero in the simulator, you got another thing coming. That's from Judas Priest. Okay. Oh, dude, and I just another had a- thing coming. <laughs> It made me think of another thing too. You could be the king of this simulator, but you're the king of the false world. Yeah, that's right. You well, they're chosen. You- People that are chosen in uh, in the entertainment business are chosen by those that want to lead the culture astray. They're doing a deal with the devil instead of doing their own thing. They won't ever get big, though. You know, you know that. Like, the people that don't sign the deals won't get the big promotions and be yeah. on the stage. But, that, but those are the ones you ought to be seeking out. Yeah. They're the ones that have the real message. Mm-hmm. 
you could look at Chappelle, you know, Chappelle walked away like, oh, now you're crazy because you wouldn't, you know, continue. Like you did this on your own. You created your own show. It exploded beyond what we thought would happen. Now we want to now start to control that agenda and offer you this next level. And he talked about losing touch with his dad and all this stuff. You're living in a fake world. Like you could have this mansion, but who's around you? You know, what is real when you go hang out with your buddies by the beach, when you have a meaningful conversation, that's actual life. And it doesn't matter if you're in this penthouse or, you know, I can remember snowboarding and we're sleeping in the back of a van. It's such a great experience, you know? It does, it's just what you're actually doing in the reality, this presence and this realness. And if you want to be an entertainer or an offer or whatever, share it with like a few people, but you want to share your honest expression. And if it blows up, amazing, good. And if it doesn't, That's right. you're still like, you're uncovering your own mastery and what you want to do here in a real way. You know what I mean? And they, we used to have music that was real. And I think that that's, that's super important. Um, I'll let you add on to that as much as you want. But, you know, I know we've covered a lot. And, I'll, dude, I'll sit and talk to you for like 20 hours straight. And I won't even Actually, hesitate. I think, it's, great. I think it's starting to seem, seem like time for a biological break. So maybe. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I wanted to ask, if you did have time, I want to touch on this. Because I know you, I wanted to read that Baba G book. But was oh, there... Yeah. Was there evidence of that? Like, I think that that makes sense. Um, and I'm just curious what you, what your thoughts on are on that is like, do you think it was? Cause he's like, and there's also a list of like master lineages, like Jesus is, mm. and maybe you can touch on that cause you're aware of them. And it might've even been you. I've saw the chart about it. It's like, Oh, here's the master and here's the teacher passing down mm. that lineage. Right. Um, for people that want to know what's the connection between Jesus the Bible, the Anunnaki, and the Ascended Masters. This is kind of what it, where it comes down to for me. Uh, I'll give you some data points. Number one, from the Anunnaki heroes that were here, the ones that were trying to help us, I, one of them kind of stood out to me as uh, really cool. He was the Lord of Wisdom, gave us language in the calendar, and most of the stuff he did seemed like he was trying to take humans to a higher place. And that was Thoth. And I really, uh, really connected with him in the Anunnaki story. He was the son of Enki, by the way, a geneticist. Okay. So um, he had a, uh, a, a relation with a gal named Sashida in Egypt. She actually, uh, if I could share this, I'd bring up a picture and show you. Um, you can, you, you do can it? screen share. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let me, uh, let me pull up a couple pictures for you for some stuff here. Okay. Let me hit the share here. And this one is supposedly also known as Mataji, who is Babaji's sister, half-sister. Okay, so this is the same being from Egypt. So check this out. Let's see if I can get this on here. Yeah, how do, yeah I'm curious about even the or How do you find, track down the origins of Babaji? Well, that's a trip. So here's a Sashida. And she <laughs> was the lady of the stylist. Okay, so she was the one doing record keeping with Thoth. She's often very affiliated with Thoth. You can see that. Okay, um, let's talk about Babaji real quick. This is kind of a picture of Babaji that I first got turned on to through um, reading the autobiography of a yogi. Because uh, we were, I lived, I'll have to show you this. I lived very close to this place. This is in Encinitas, California. This is the Self-Realization Fellowship where Yogananda set up his shop in Encinitas. So I used to ride my bike down here and hang out right here on this bench and look out over the ocean, okay? And this is where I first started meditating was in this meditation garden in san diego that's kind of cool huh yeah right, that's awesome is there anything else i want to share uh the other thing that i wanted to point out uh as part of this is 
where this Babaji and the um, lost teachings of Atlantis temples are kind of located. And they don't really want you to know this, but it's in this area right here uh, where I'm pointing on the map. You see that, right? Yeah. Right. That, right, that region. Okay. So if you read, read this book, The Lost Teachings of Atlantis, this one, very, very, very good book. Okay. If you haven't read it by John Peniel, I highly recommend, this, especially the history of Atlantis. Okay. I'm going to stop sharing here. Okay. okay. The history of Atlantis is really important in that part. And the reason I bring that up is they said their master teacher that got them initiated was Thoth. They consider him the master in the Atlantean teachings in this in this, this really crazy great school. And they said the last incarnation of that being was Jesus. Okay? And I also believe that too. And I saw this in all my research that, that the being that was putting himself out, sacrificing himself for mankind in multiple incarnations was this Ningshita being who we knew became Thoth, who became other avatars, lots of them. And he talked about in the Emerald Tablets um, going a thousand times or a hundred times in every hundred year or every hundred years he had to go into, or every thousand years he had to go a hundred years in stasis at the halls of Amenthe. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of incarnations. You know, <laughs> the Buddha had 500, right? The incarnations, according to him. So anyway, so the idea that the last incarnation of Thoth was as Jesus um, was tantalizing me, but I thought, you know what? They're still here. Where are they? And I knew in particular, i that Thoth Ningshita never left. And he had stayed on and signed on in the writings of the vision of Hermes to be our teacher through all, through the, all the ages until the age of enlightenment came, which I believe was the age of Aquarius. Because he was the one who was going to be reigning that in, according to everything I looked into. This is knowing about term limits of the Anunnaki, who was on the Anunnaki Council, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you extrapolate forward, the master Thoth was in the lineage of Enki and could potentially be a ruler on this planet. And I believe that's what's happening. Okay. Right now, just so you know, is the transition from one Anunnaki clan to another that's setting the precedence for humanity. And this could be really good for us as a human species. If we live through this, we don't destroy ourselves. Okay. Well, they said that his last incarnation was Jesus. And if you read the Masters of the Far East, you realize that Jesus, Jesus and Buddha were having major encounters with the, the Ascended Masters in India, okay? For those who haven't read that book, that's, that's Spalding, okay? Look up Spalding, Masters of the Far East. Well, going to the next step, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, if the Anunnaki were here and Thoth was here, where did he go after this incarnation of Jesus? Because he's, he's immortal. And we all know that. Even Jesus was, you know, believed to be immortal to people. Well, all of a sudden, through the autobiography of a yogi, you discover this being who sent yoga to the United States in 1934 with the Yogananda, with strict missions to start waking up the Westerners. Who was that? Well, he says it was Babaji, okay, in the book, and describes going and meeting him and the whole thing, right? You're aware of this. Well, you keep unthreading that, and all of a sudden, you end up at this location in the Himalayas where some being who's claimed to be eternal is giving consciousness education to humanity uh, from the direction of a remote location. And this is Babaji who through multiple generations from Swami Yukasar way back when all the way up to uh, Raj Wiseman who wrote the book Babaji ET. So his question was, is Babaji an ET, an alien that's doing this to try to help humanity? 
And as you dig into this, he gives you the evidence that that very being was none other than Ningxia, Enki's son. So there's the Anunnaki connection to these Himalayan masters who were playing with the conscious simulator of all of us humans. Okay, and the latest thing that that uh, Raj Wiseman says he was to write this book to let people know there's a great synthesis going on right now as part of the awakening to enter into this new age with him. And I think I see that happening, Matt. The synthesis between science and religion, between psychology and electrical engineering, it's all happening. And it's all pointing to the same thing about who we are and where we fit as avatars in this big role that we've been playing. That's fascinating. Um, you know, my, my thought about that is like, okay, so say, you know, if you take, you know, the Jesus story or, or this, like in the autobiography of a yogi, um, I forget which one it was, is Lahiri Mahasa, does that pronounce it right? He, is he the one that gets like the palace that appears out of nowhere? And all yes, of this, yes. yeah, he has all this yeah, mystical he, stuff happen. Um, maybe it was a technology, not a consciousness thing. Could be like a consciousness evolved inference. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's the thing. Or maybe they had a technology because there's a lot um, about magic in the Bible. You know, David. The well, they, do, they, do have, they do have the technology. This goes back yeah. to the writings in, the, in even the Emerald Tablets. He was talking about races who had the power to never have to utilize toil to get what they wanted anymore. They could create it all with the power of their mind. So they could have a thought and build a building. They could have a thought and produce a meal like that. And in the Masters of the Far East, in that book by Spalding, they were doing this on a regular basis. And it was like, wow, really? Later on, I got exposed to some stuff called learning, which is a scientific way to try to understand what they're doing. And it leads to some very interesting realities that what, is, what are the limits of our co-creative abilities as creators on this material plane? Well, according to Jesus, we'd have his powers plus more if you followed his path, right? Well, look at the look at Babaji. Okay, he's he's apparently got some pretty crazy capabilities uh, that go beyond the normal understanding of never aging and all these other things. Okay, he's been around for thousands of years, and the idea of the power of Yoltan to be able to manifest matter out of out of the ether is magic to us but to an advanced species who understands possibly the quantum encryption encoding of light and how it leads to bonds and turning light into matter if they knew how to do that they could materialize anything in front of you and you believe it was real because first of all it's not real it's only stitched molecules together with energy and if you understand it from a scientific standpoint at that point and know that you're a co-creator, the creator of all, and that activity is permitted for you because of where you are on your path, then I think it's possible. Yeah, man. Inclu including manifesting whole cities of, in temples in Atlantis, which was described that Enki did because he had the power of Yoltan, this ability. And I believe Thoth ultimately, as Ningxia, ultimately got it too. Yeah, man, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting because if, if we even, you know, figured out, I don't know, let's say we figure out time travel right now and we go back to the 1800s, they could think of us as ETs and as this advanced race and we could do magic like this guy, I don't know whether it's like a holographic screen or, you know, we could actually bring that back now. We could create a hologram. We could, mm -hmm. we would, we would be ascended master beings to them with technology. Right. Now, you know, it kind of brings this emerging thought for me when I was with, 
David and Clifford, the two uh, Native American elders, they both spoke about in their time, technology and spirituality were one. So they were very of the earth, but they had, um, when, when the Catholic Church came in and when um, Smithsonian came in and we started to basically genocide the Native Americans, um, Clifford was saying that at all the sacred spots, there's now a military base or some governmental building in all of our sacred spots where there was technology which got looted. So we had literal technology to communicate with the ones that we wanted to connect to and that were helping Mm -hmm. us and that we had a connection with. And one of the things that when David spoke about, he's just like, you guys want to connect with the ETs and things like that. He's just like, you guys are still murdering each other. Why would we just come and show up? The ones I want to help, why are we just going to come and show up? We don't know if you're going to shoot us right in the face. And so I think that the Native American culture, they were, they were peaceful at that time. So they allowed for some sort of peaceful communication. And in their history, they had communication for years. And they're just starting to release a little bit of this knowledge from their oral teachings for those who are ready to listen. And if you think about the Western culture and European culture, we have history recorded as the winners, book burnings, right? Oh, Gerald Clark, great. Good job, Gerald. You know, two years from now, we got to burn all that, (laughs) right? So you can't even go to do the research and you start over. And then which books are being put forward? Which ones are going in the schools? How are we directing the consciousness? Um, Mm. So it kind of plays along the same idea from these different cultures. And you look at the Dogon tribe in Africa, right? And they said these things came down in ships and then they did a little bit of water and then they jumped in and they were kind of like dolphin-like. So these indigenous cultures have the same story all around the world. Well, imagine you're an advanced species and you could come here and take on any material form you wanted to have a material experience. By the way, when you read the Lost Teachings of Atlantis, where he talks about the first wave of these advanced beings that didn't even need a body, that came here goofing around to have a material experience, they tried on, well, I want to be this animal. I want to be a mixture between this animal and this animal. Well, that's how they actually got trapped in material and lost their connection back to the source, is dabbling around with new experiences of... Uh, a material form that they had no idea what they were up against. Oh man. And we, and we are the human animals as a result of that long progression that are still trapped in these bodies, not knowing who we are as a mass species, billions of us. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Dude, that's actually just the thought I just had was just like, Oh shoot, maybe that's me. Like, you know, and I'm stuck in this, in this thing. I was like, who there's a movie. I think it's like the number nine and um, I can't remember who's in it, but I watched it and it was basically around this person's a number nine, but he's an ascended master. Essentially he has his higher being, but he got stuck in his own simulation. And by the end of the movie, he figures it out. Mm. Um, and it's like, Oh, like I have this power, but I got stuck in love kind of like that. The Jesus, like I, I got in love with my creation and that was down here. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, that old story of, uh, the narcissist who looks at this reflection in the water and falls in love with it. Right. So you're in this material transient experience in the matrix, you know, the wine's good, the red meat's good. And maybe if I can get on an American idol and be a star, this would be just great. But guess what? That's all part of the illusion to get you to fall in love with the material experience and never wake up to who you truly are. And listen, if, if you're entertained by that, who are we to tell somebody that if that's entertaining to them, that they have to wake up so that we feel more comfortable because we don't really like you living in your red chakra next door, right? <laughs> that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah, so, man. Well, dude, we, we touched on so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'll sit here and talk to you all day. I just want to be cognizant. Oh, no, I, of, think, 
I think, it's, your, I think it's time for yeah, a bio break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of your time. Um, I just, is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? And I just wanted to say, hey, man, like I always appreciate you and your work and uh, your research and what you're doing. So just thanks for your time and coming on and sharing all that, man. It's a, it was a treat. Yeah, um, you can look me up on GeraldClark77.com. We got a bunch of products. One of them is an alchemy product that's just going gangbusters. People just love it. And I want to say, you know, don't try and go wake up your energy body with, with a, a product first. You got to do the hard work. Okay. Do the yoga, do the meditation, do the Tai Chi, do whatever you need to get your back in touch with yourself in the now. Okay. Whether it's meditating or whatever, do that. Because if you're not ready and you go amping up your energy body with a with an alchemical product, like a Starfire gold, um, it could cause some, some issues for you. You don't want to take, you don't want to have your energy be beyond what the vessel can contain. Okay. So you, you, only you will know what that is. And they describe it as being somewhat hermetic. If you go beyond the point of where you should be, okay. Where you're, (laughs) you're not acting normally and you're, you know, maybe got a pile of 18 books next to your bed and you're not, you know, eating or sleeping or doing anything else. Okay. They might've gone too far. So, you know, be aware of that. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no quick um, liposuction version of ascension or, or awakening. You no, got to do no, like yeah. a slow process. No, it's no, and actually having a regular practice every day of what, and even it's the simplest thing. It's the difference between thinking about it and actually doing it and putting it, putting your, putting it into action is very important. So, uh, and, uh, for those of you out there that are interested, um, I've been working on a screenplay for years. It's called Odyssey Key. It's published. And now I've had some pull to turn that into a game. And so I'm working on that a little bit too, writing the rules of the game from the simulator. And with that said, I, I think it's, it's bio break time for me. I really got to go. So <laughs> yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Well definitely check out Gerald's yeah. work. It's cool. And yeah, as a side note, you just learned how to do all that stuff on your own. Like, Oh, how do I do this thing? You know what? I'm just going to figure it out. And you've just been getting better at better at like creating worlds. I was like, papers, <laughs> great, man. Yeah. But uh, we'll catch up after this, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, I always appreciate you. Okay, buddy. Love you and be good. Okay. We'll do it. See you, everyone. Peace. All right, guys, that wraps up part two with the incredible Gerald Clark. I hope that your mind is still functioning and that you can drive your car and get to where you need to go after listening to that. Every time I talk to Gerald, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so intense. I don't even know what to do with that. So, um, you know, I invite you to do your own research, you know, question everything, question myself, question Gerald, look where he's getting his research from, where the Anunnaki came from. Is there aliens? Um, You know, but really what it comes down to for me is like your own consciousness, your own quality of consciousness taking back your own power so it's great to listen to people like Gerald and other podcasts out there and other things but ultimately you're the one who's got to roll it around in your nugget and Gerald is just so great so researched so in-depth to just present you know his findings you know and he's always researching that guy's a beast you know he's just researching and researching and then he's rolling around his own nugget and um, you know he's also open to feedback too so that's that's it man you know so just take these ideas but what it does show us is that the world is a lot bigger than most people make it out to be. We're mostly just trying to survive our nine to five, but really, what are we doing here? What do we want to do? We want to improve the quality of our life. We want to improve the quality of our consciousness. We want to connect to spirit and divine in our own way, and we can find it in our own way. So um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like it and you want to support 
please, you can leave a review. That helps massively if you take a moment to do that. Supporting on Patreon again, Charlotte Rupert, thank you so much. And to all my patrons who who helped me, you know, got me to the Parliament of World Religions. Um, you know, I'm mostly doing it on a credit card um, and a big-ass loan. Uh, but, hey, I'm getting there, and so you guys are helping. And one day, this is going to support fully. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm committed to the process because I do this because I love it, not for the money. And it's going to be exciting when, uh, you know, I can make a living from it and, and be supported and travel to where I need to be and just talk to these incredible people. And I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So I appreciate you guys very much. Um, what else? Go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list, check out Zen Athlete. If you haven't read that yet, you know, give it to somebody, read it as a guide to self-mastery. There's an in-depth work, uh, uh, course online with guided meditations, hypnosis, uh, all kinds of stuff on there. So you don't need to be an athlete. Go to zenathlete.com and check out that complete program because it's really a guide to self-mastery, a complete course. Huh, okay, well, that's it. Um, check out David Lone Bear Center Pass as well, LoneBearsArts.com. Um, he definitely needs support. I've had a couple engineers reach out recently because they looked at some of the stuff that I sent them. Like, holy smokes. Like, I, you know, basically it always comes back to you like, I thought he was just completely out to lunch. But then when I started to look at it, and I understand it's some pretty crazy stuff. Um, but when you start to look at it, read between the lines, do a little bit of research, um, then you you know that there's something there to it. So I'm um, still supporting him, trying to help get some of that science out, some of those technologies. So uh, could use your support as well if uh, if it resonates with you. So thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, let's let's close it out with, a, with uh, coming to a, a state of peace and coherence through our own free will. So wherever you are in the world, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking another deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath and just set the intention to be kind and compassionate to yourself. And just connect yourself to universal life force energy. Which is all around you and breathing in you. Pulsing through you at all times. And let that breath out slowly with any limitation. Any limiting belief. Any stress or anxiety. Just letting that go now. Come into peace and coherence. Another deep breath in through your nose. Hold in that breath and just see yourself living your ideal life. See yourself moving in a direction of compassion, kindness, enthusiasm, knowing that life is a journey. It's not one day, it's over a lifetime. And just knowing that the universe is on your side, feeling excited, feeling confident, feeling worthy, feeling connected to yourself and spirit. Let that breath out slowly, ready to take on the day. Go out there and do an act of kindness. Know that you are supported, whole, perfect, harmonious, coherent, just as you are. So thanks for listening to this episode and we will see you in the next one.